Your website is the front door of your business, but the way teams build and optimize is broken. Stuck between inflexible templates and cumbersome codependent solutions, there's a better, faster way. Enter Webflow, a visual-first platform that empowers you to create freely. Now you can ship web pages in weeks instead of months and save millions in development costs. These are the real results for companies like Orange Theory, Dropbox, and IDEO. Get started today at webflow.com. Webflow, more than a website builder. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have Roy Spence with me, who is the co-founder and chairman of GSDNM and also the co-founder and CEO of the Purpose Institute. Roy, hi, and welcome to the show. Well, Nadine, it's great to be with you. I love your show. I love the idea of the CMO moves and the whole idea of enlightening CMOs and CEOs on the ability of CMOs to be a force for good. So I'm a real big fan. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. You know, likewise, I'm a huge fan of yours as well. Uh, I remember when I had Tony Rogers on the show and boy, he could not say enough wonderful things about you and the work that you did with him in Walmart. Uh, Can't wait to dig into that. But before we get started, I was wondering, could you uh, share a little bit about these two big roles that you have? Well, they they sound bigger than they are, frankly, but uh, I guess the, the quickest story is that I grew up in a little small town, Brownwood, Texas, and I loved every second. And when I went to the University of Texas, uh, I met four people and we did all these multimedia shows in the you know 70s for students, thousands of students would line up and pay us 50 cents. And I'll say this is America or Brownie. Uh, we didn't know. Anyway, we, were, we realized that we, we were about to graduate and we said, what the heck are we going to do? And one of my partners said, well, why don't we go into advertising? And I said, great. What, what is that? <laughs> Seriously, I was a government major. I was going to be president. And <laughs> quick story on that. So I had a tie-dyed T-shirt and a ponytail. I was looking awesome. I was 20 years old. I went down to the Citibank and I sat in a in front of a loan officer's desk and he wasn't there. And all of a sudden, somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, I'm sorry, young man, but do you have an appointment? And I went, no, but you're not like busy. <laughs> I didn't know. I was 20 years old. And he said, well, what do you need? And I said, $5,000 to start. GSDNM advertising. He said, well, great. What's your business plan? And I said, I I beg your pardon? He said, what's your business plan? True story. Can't make it up. And I went, "Uh, well, we want to like stay together. We want to like stay in Austin. We want to make a difference and get really rich. And he loaned me the money. (laughs) And we started GSDNM, but the the button on this story is that 20 years later, I was at a reception and somebody comes up to me and says, you see that older gentleman over there with a cane? Do you know him? I said, yes, his name's Robert Sneed. He's been a mentor of me and my partners. And he said, you remember that $5,000 you borrowed 25 years ago? And I went, like it was yesterday. And he said, do you know that he co-signed that note and never told you? Because he wanted you to believe that you got it on your own. 
And that's how it all started. Uh, we believed in each other and other people believed in us. And so we built GSDNM and got lucky and, you know, got to live in Austin, Texas and, and represent clients like Tony, Walmart, Frito-Lay, BMW, Southwest Airlines, and the United States Air Force. So, and then um, at some point we started realizing that advertising and marketing seemed to be a commodity. Everybody was doing the same thing. And they just had a different spin on it or a different cut and, or different whatever it might be. And we did a campaign called Don't Mess With Texas. And people know that slogan all over the world. But they don't know it was an anti-littering campaign. Texas was a littering state, truly. And in 1985, the governor of Texas said, litter keeps going up. Why don't we try to stop litter? <laughs> Everybody went, what? Anyway, so uh, <clears throat> we pitched against the agencies that did don't pollute, give a hoot, and crying Indians. It was amazing. But we decided that uh, we needed to do something fresher. So we, we pitched the line, don't mess with Texas. And Stevie Ray Vaughan, God rest his soul, did the first commercial, then Willie Nelson, then Waylon, and everyone else. And in four years, we reduced litter by 79%. And we wow. stopped and looked at each other and we went, wait a minute. What did we do here? It was not regulations. There weren't fines. We just changed the culture of Texas through marketing. And we realized at that moment we weren't in the litter business. We were in the pride business. And that's the moment in time we started launching purpose-based branding. And that led me to form the Purpose Institute, which we help people, companies, and hopefully countries rediscover their purpose. Wow. Roy, what an amazing story. And how timely, too, for us to be talking about purpose-driven marketing. Uh, so many people are talking about it. Lots of people are, quote, trying it. Some have mastered it. But maybe you could just give us your definition of what it is. Yep. That's a great question, Nadine. And we, um, we did a book called It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For about 10 years ago, best-selling book. And truly, we were out there wandering in the wilderness when we were talking about purpose. But two quick stories, and I'll get to uh, Walmart with Tony and a bunch of people really challenged us. I kept telling Sam Walton they were in the business to let people have a good life for less. And we kept talking through that. And that's when we came up with the line, save money, live better. So we laddered out of the discount business up to the purpose business of have, helping people live better for less. Southwest Airlines been our client for 35 years, still is. And I was 28 years old and Herb Kelleher had 28 airplanes. And he called me and we've been doing business. And we started realizing that Southwest Airlines wasn't in the airline business. We were in the business to give people the freedom to fly. We were in the freedom business. So we started developing purpose. So a couple of things is what is purpose? It's the definitive difference you're trying to make in the world. Lowe's, uh, which is, has an awesome purpose. I didn't do it, but uh, I tell people I did, but not, not on a podcast because people will call me on it. But <laughs> think about this. I think it came from an associate. She said, I think we're in the business to help people love where they live. Hmm. Changes everything. Secondly, it has to be authentic. Third, we ought to change the name from just chief marketing officers to chief purpose officers. Because marketing is the carrier of the purpose. It reflects, if you do it right and it's authentic, 
CMOs, when they take it and embrace it, they affect not only the consumer market, they affect the culture of the organization. And I've always told CMOs, if they will listen, you have the opportunity to be a force for good, especially when you're purpose-driven. So that's what it is. And that's, we find that the best organizations are driven by purpose. And Jim Collins, one of my great friends, he'll be a neighbor of yours, by the way, in Boulder. Um, he wrote the book, as you know, a bunch of books, but the two that affected me the most was Built to Last and Good to Great. And we became best friends, literally. And he has one thing that's on my wall right now. And this was 10 years ago or so. The great visionary companies, the ones that are built to last, will always have a purpose beyond making money. And in the process, we'll make more money. Okay, so I knew this was going to happen with you today. And um, it's going to be one heck of a ride for the rest of this podcast. Because you say something so quotable, like in every other sentence that you use. And sometimes in the middle of the podcast, when I'm recording, someone will say something to me and I'll be like, wow, okay, that's going to be the title of this podcast. And uh, I've actually said it out loud on a couple of times because it was just so obvious. In your case, I've got now like four competing titles and I'm sure I'm going to have 18 at the end of this. (laughs) But I do want to underscore something you said that gave me goosebumps. Chief Purpose officers. Yes. I love it. uh, My my co-founder of the Purpose Institute is a woman named Haley Rushing, who is the best in the world. I'm serious. It it helping companies and organizations rediscover their purpose. Her title is Chief Purposeologist. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And when people hear it, they go, tell me again what you just said. I said, her title is Chief Purposeologist. And I would just say when you're looking, and by the way, the data is real clear, Gallup, I'm a senior advisor there, and they do massive work on millennials in the workforce and all of this stuff. And the new CMOs that are coming up through the ranks, we have to do a couple of things. Number one, we got to inspire purpose-driven, talented, creative young people to realize marketing can be a force for good. We got to get more purpose-inspired young people in this industry because this generation is more purpose-searching than any generation in the history of Gallup that we've ever surveyed. And in fact, one little quote here. On one slide, Gallup has summarized millennials versus boomers. Boomers started with paycheck. Millennials start with purpose. We had bosses. Millennials want coaches. We had annual reviews. They want to talk about development all the time. So as we're looking at that next generation, the new generation, and the ones that are already there, if CMOs could wake up in the morning and every day, I don't care what your title is, but you have got to become the champion of finding the purpose, marketing the purpose, enculturating the purpose, because if you don't have a purpose in your organization, I don't think you'll be around. I mean that honestly. CMOs have a chance to lead companies through the power of purpose and not politics inside or anything else. And therefore, if you're the chief purpose officer, then you will talk to not only marketing people in there, you'll talk to operations people and HR because purpose has to be enculturated through all organizations. So it's a thought uh, as we're looking to the future where marketing people actually come in as chief purpose officers. I am so excited to hear you say all this because 
in almost every podcast I've done so far, culture comes up all the time. And we've been toying around with titles like, is a chief marketing officer the new chief culture officer? Yes, ma'am. And and Jeff Jones said it the other day. It's all about behaviors. What behaviors are leading or role modeling that fosters and continues to develop this culture? But taking it one step further then is purpose. Like if you don't know what the purpose is of your brand, right? <laughs> how do you know what culture you're trying to foster? Let me tell you, I really do believe that the marketing groups need to be leading the purpose in the culture. And if you don't have purpose and you can't, I mean, the old days you had vision, mission, blah, 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 blah. And you had to go to your business card to remember it. <laughs> the truth is right now, the great organizations, the ones that are thriving in chaos, and it is chaos in so many ways, we'll talk about that later, are the ones that wake up every morning and saying, this is the purpose of the organization. This meeting's about giving people the freedom to fly. Everybody own? Everybody get it? Yes. Okay. You build your culture around that too. And I call them, and I've discovered them, love cultures. Stay with me. Love's hard. (laughs) But let me tell you what love cultures do. Number one, you have people loving what they do every day. You know why? They get to play to their strengths. So many organizations want you to be average at what you're bad at. Uh, excuse me? I'm not going to live my life trying to be average at what I'm bad at. Why don't you become great at what you're good at? Chief culture officers can say, we're going to do strength finders or whatever it is, and we're going to find out right now in my office, every one of our associates have the top five strengths on their desk. Number two. People not only love what they do, they love whom they do it with because they're playing to their strengths in a love culture. You also love the positive impact you make every day on not only your customer's life, but your internal audience's life, your community's life, your nation's life. Marketing can do all of this. We can help find people who love what they do. They're playing their strengths. Surround yourself with the kind of people who are values-driven, purpose-driven. And then when you do your marketing, you have a chance, if you're purpose-inspired, to make a difference in people's lives. So it's just going to get more and more intense. And the chief marketing culture and purpose officers should put their arms around it, not because of power at all, but because of purpose. We're not seeking power. We're trying to spread purpose. And if you don't have one person and one group in charge of that, it won't get spread. I promise you. Okay, let's talk about spreading purpose because that is exactly what you're doing, not just through the work at GSD&M, but also with this new organization called The Promise Land. Can you talk about that a little bit? Real quickly, um, I got lucky and I got, this is important to my story I don't tell it all the time, but I got lucky and I got on the road to purpose early in my life, although I didn't know it. My sister was born. She was four years older in my little town, and she was born with a terrible birth defect called spinal bifida. And spinal bifida, for those who don't know what it is, it actually can be cured in the womb now, but it's it, it couldn't be back then. You're born and all the nerves that are supposed to go into your legs ball up on your back in an open wound. And she was four years older than me. It was late 40s and uh, early 50s. And she was supposed to live to be four months old. And she lived to be 49 years old because of my mom. Every day when I could see over her wheelchair, I'd push her to school, push her home. 
every day with my friends to me. We'd push her to school, push her home. She graduated from high school. She went to a little community college, which are my heroes, by the way, all over the country. Um, I'd go every Saturday, push her around that little campus in Gonzales, Texas. And then she moved closer to me and my wife. And every Sunday, I'd push her and don't be mad. And we'd listen to the Dallas Cowboys and <laughs> eat what and eat Whataburgers. When she passed away, sorry, um, I've had that epiphany. All these years, I've been trying to push her. I thought I was pushing her. She'd been pushing me. And she used to always say, you don't have to have legs to fly. And I didn't know this when I'm in my business. And it goes to this whole idea of you now we have the Purpose Institute. And now I've decided to launch this thing called the Promised Land Project. It's, I was lit about a year ago. I was lit watching Apollo 13 for the hundredth time. And I heard Tom Hanks, that great line, Houston, we have a problem. I was halfway up Sopris Mountain. And that's outside of Carbondale. You know where it is. And it was snowing, and I had my snowshoes on. I stopped to look around to make sure people weren't around. And I said as loud as I could, America, we have a problem. And I realized at that moment in time, we have a marketing problem. Now, stay with me here. Marketing people know this. Right now, the only messaging Americans are getting is the political, divisive messages on all sides of us versus them. We are in a cultural war, and Gallup has proven it. It's the cultural divide in this country has never been greater since they've been polling for 40 years. So I decided to take America as my client, <laughs> pro bono. And uh, we're going to market the best of America to America. I've got CMOs already joining up. We launched it at South by Southwest. Matthew McConaughey came over and Part of the Promised Land Project is our mission and our purpose is to start narrowing the cultural divide, and Gallup will be tracking this. It's an eight-year program, Nadine, because it's going to take time, but more than that, in 2026, eight years from now, America will celebrate her 250th birthday. The Promised Land Project is going to work so we can also re-celebrate the birth and the rebirth of a culture of us, as in USA. It's hard work, it's called a project, because like the Manhattan Project in World War II and Kennedy's call for a man on the moon and Reagan's call to take down the wall and Clinton's call to build a bridge to the 21st century, it's gonna take a lot of hard work because the enemy is not on the outside, it's on the inside. We have got to bring this culture together, CMOs, marketing people, we can do this. We're gonna market America and we're gonna do it pro bono. Couple of quick things. We gotta walk in each other's shoes again. The fact that my sister never got to walk. I worked in a factory. I drove an 18 wheel. We have to get people. And so Matthew came on stage at the middle of the speech the other day. And he said, all right, all right. He said, uh, you know, he had a dart. And a map of the United States got on the stage. He says, you want to walk in somebody's shoes? I'm throwing a dart. And wherever it is, we're going. He threw it. It hit North Dakota. I've never been. He had neither. But we're going to start for the next eight years. We're going to have these traveling performance uh, labs going to schools and churches and community college. We've got to also stop the myth that a four-year college degree is the only path to success in this country. It is wrong. 
We have thousands and thousands of jobs. We need welders. We need electricians. We need skilled workers. And we got to quit picking winners and losers in the ninth grade. Oh, you're college material. You're not. God made us all different. We judge our kids just on standardized tests. That's wrong. We got to look for talent in these kids, whether it's strength finders. So the Promised Land Project is not for the tired or the timid. It is for the marketing community to rise up and say, we're going to mobilize ourselves to re-inspire the purpose of this country. And by the way, if you think about America, and I'll stop, America was born different. It wasn't born perfect, and it wasn't born better. But I'll tell you what it was born different. It said, we don't care what your class is or what your mama and daddy's last name is or what society you're in. If you're willing to risk the seas and come over here and start fresh, everyone who is willing to work hard and be responsible has a chance to live up to their God-given potential. But we're not doing that in America anymore because the war of us versus them has got to stop. And I think it's up to the marketing world to help bridge that divide. Wow. Okay. Um, That's phenomenal. And uh, I just, I don't even know how many questions we can still fit in here, but I'm going to ask as many as I can. First of all, such a big hats off to you because of this effort. And it's just truly amazing. I mean, I love that you've taken on America as your client pro bono. Um, It needs you. Um, and it needs, uh, it needs us, by the way, everyone on this podcast, it needs us. It needs all of us. And I, I want to talk about two things. Um, the role of the CMO in impacting and changing America's culture for the better. But tactically, I want to start with one thing, just because I want to get clarity around this. And then let's come back to the, that one, because that's going to be a, a big one. What is a performance lab? Just so I know what that is. Basically, what we did, we working with the Air Force, we developed a performance lab. It's a traveling show van, big, huge show. And we go to, you know, NASCAR races and schools. And you walk in there and take all of these amazing tests. You fly a jet airplane. You work on an airplane. And at the end, they come back and give you assessment scores. Oh, you ought to really think about being a doctor in the Air Force. Oh, you really ought to think about being a pilot. It's been remarkable how many young people have come in and said, God, I hadn't even thought about this. So we're going to take this performance lab on the road, and we're going to have things like every young person can take strength finders from Gallup. Every young person we're partnering with the home builders and that can talk about, oh, maybe you ought to think about being a carpenter and a, a welder, community colleges. So we're going to take this out there, and it's going to be an eight-year show. Well, you know, one of the things we talked about before, uh, Nadine, is that I'm so passionate as you are. We've got to get a, a lot of whole new generation of Americans um, to go into marketing. They don't think about that anymore. They think about engineering or they think about science or finance. But marketing has the ability to be a powerful force for good. Not only good within their own organization, but also uniting behind opportunities to improve lives and improve America. So I just believe that what you're doing with this podcast, and we've got to keep dialing it up, we've got to get the best and brightest of the next generation to think about marketing as a force for good. So 
that's why I love what you're trying to do. Uh, and we ought to keep pushing it hard. Uh, well, thank you so much for that, Roy. You know, I am so fortunate. I talked to so many incredible CMOs who are really uh, rolling up their sleeves uh, to represent their brand in a whole new way. And they're doing it by taking ownership across a lot of different areas. And, yep. and especially when it comes to encouraging and growing the talent on their teams and also helping at the university level, just even getting in there and telling people what marketing is all about um, so that there's an awareness. But when you're able to connect the dot between what the role of a CMO is today with an aspiring CMO, not just on the functionality of the role, but on the purpose of the role, and you're saying that it can be a force for good, I, I think you're right. I think that will appeal to the new generation. So then the, the question is, how do we continue to showcase those that are doing it well? You have my commitment on this show to keep finding folks that do do that well. But how do you help CMOs achieve that goal? You know, that's a great question, and I don't know if I have the answer to it, but let me go back to the question. I think that that question hasn't been asked enough. I think the associations that represent marketing and associations that represent advertising and CMOs are doing a great job, but at some point, if all those organizations would come together, they keep doing their own separate thing, but anybody in the marketing, advertising, digital media space to say, look, people, Marketing needs to be elevated to its rightful place. We've done a really good job of degrading it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we're looking, we've done all the wrong things perfect, by the way. But anyway, um, if you really want to do it, it has to be a collective, collective messaging out there. We got to get to our universities and the, the professors that are teaching marketing, advertising, radio, television, digital, whatever. And we got to get purpose embedded there. Uh, everywhere, because if we look at right now what's going on in this country of ours and around the world, but especially in ours, marketing is being used for a force for bad. It's being used as a force to divide. It's being used to create a us versus them, not fake news, fake culture. We were not born in America to be us versus them. By the way, the first motto of the United States of America was E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one. That was the first motto of this great country. We're going to differ. That's what politics is the business of freedom. But if we're going to differ, we got to find common ground on higher ground. Marketing can do that because we can, can control a positive, enlightening message. And right now, those messages that are out there, they're hitting the American people, it's all bad. It's all us versus them. I'll stop. The Promised Land Project, we're going to do our best to bridge that cultural vibe through the power of marketing. So I'm really fascinated by this. And we definitely could go on uh, and talk about this a lot more. And, and I want you to promise me you're going to keep me posted over time on how I it's going. You, I promise you that from the Promised Land founder. Oh, there you go. Well, that, that that's like a double promise. This is how it works. So, and I promise you that I'll help in any way that I can because I think it's a it's a really valiant and important needed effort. But with the little time that we have left, 
I want to talk more about you, Roy, because it's interesting. When we Before we jumped on the recording here, we were talking about you know, great leaders are great people. And uh, you're a great leader. And you've shared a few stories with me. And every time I hear a new story, I'm like, wow. And, and I got to say, thank you so much for sharing that story about your sister. Um, thank you. Very meaningful and really incredible how you were able to see that you know, she was really your strength. Um, she was pushing me. <laughs> she was. She really was. But you have this incredible desire and passion to just embrace life and enjoy it. And, you know, tell me a little bit about your life. Like some of the things you've done, I think of Forrest Gump, I think of this. It's crazy. Like, tell me about some things that you've done in your life that have been pivotal. Well, thank you. Uh, and I've been, it's a real treat to be with you and your listeners. A um, couple of things that sort of inspired me was uh, I was a huge fan of Emerson, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and my mom was too. And a quick story on that is that I was studying Emerson in the eighth grade. I don't know if y'all remember cursive, but anyway, um, <laughs> I turned in a test and I got it back. And I had eight misspelled words, and it was a C minus, and it was a paper on Emerson. And my mom was a school teacher, so C minuses were not celebrated at my house. <laughs> mom didn't say anything. Ninth grade, I'm studying Emerson again. And I said, Mom, I can't turn it in. I'll, I'll make another C. She said, do the best you can. I turned it in. There weren't eight misspelled words. There were 11. The whole paper was read. And at the top was a tiny A minus. And I sat down with my mom. I said, I don't get this. And she said, you can't spell. But Mrs. Levesey thinks you can write. That's why you got an A minus. At 14 years old, my mom looks at me and she said, I don't want you to spend another second of your life trying to be average at what you're bad at. I want you to spend the rest of your life trying to become, become great at what you're good at. That changed my life. And like I was in New York about 10 years ago, I just gotten back from Haiti. We did all the work with Papa Bush and Bill Clinton. We did all the um, work with uh, W. Bush and, and Clinton, PSA work for free. We just got through doing all five former presidents in one spot but with my daughter, Courtney Spence. With, was called to go out there and just dare to do things that are good. And I was in New York and I was listening to one show and everything was bad. So I decided to walk across America. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the logic there. And, and I'm, I'm a walker, not a dead man walking. I'm a walker and I had decided to take a picture of something good every mile. And I had day jobs, but I started in New England and went through 11 states, 20 miles a day. And every time the beeper went off on my pedometer back then, I had to take, find something good. And all of a sudden, my mom's Robert Frost poem, Two Roads Diverged in a Yellow Wood and Sorry I Could Not Travel Both and Be One Traveler. I didn't know what that meant until that road to goodness. You can't travel on two roads. And I found out if you look for enemies, you'll find them. If you look for hate, you'll find it. If you look for gossip, you'll find it. If you look for fear, that's one road. But on the other road, if you look for friends, you'll be befriended. And if you look for love, it'll lift you up. And if you look for the truth, it'll set you free. And if you look for 
hope it'll take you to higher ground. So part of my journey was Ralph Waldo Emerson's about do not go where the path may lead. It's on my wall. I'm looking at it. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And right (laughs) next to that is Mark Twain's quote right here. I'm looking at 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed in the things you did not do than the things you did. Cast away the bowline, set sail, catch the trade winds, dream, explore, discover. Those are the two things I look at every day. And it kind of catches me. And by the way, marketing people out there, you need to put your computer down. You need to go walk in other people's shoes. If you have the big heart along with big data, you'll make a big difference. I just made that up. That's good. <laughs> I was going to say, that's another headline right there. <laughs> but it's true. I just you, If you have big data and big heart, you can make a big difference in marketing and culture and purpose. But you can't do it with just one. You have to do both. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Well, Roy, I could ask you a million more questions. I'm laughing because I really don't want to end this. I really, really don't. But we are out of time. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you, if you have anything in the world for young professionals, let's go there for a second. Young professionals that are thinking about what they want to be when they grow up, what would you say to them? Well, it's a great question about what I would say, but I, I got to say something that George Bernard Shaw actually said, and, and he, was, he was a bit strange, but God, if you read his stuff, it's amazing. He said, the real thrill of life is to be used by a purpose that you yourself deem as a mighty one. And then he said, to become a force of nature. If you decide to go into the marketing business to be a force for good, you will be driven by a mighty purpose and you'll be a force of nature. And you will never look back and say, did I do everything in my power, in my talent, to touch a life, touch a heart, make an improvement, solve a problem. Because at some point, marketing people have this uncanny ability to see things other people don't see. And they have the most ability, if you do it right, and you ladder yourself up to purpose and culture and marketing. We, when we are at our best, we never predict the future marketing people can create it. And I think if we'll spread that word, if you want to be in the business to predict stuff, go be a weatherman or a weather woman or go wherever else. If you want to be in the business of creating the future, marketing ain't a bad place to spend your life. Wow. That is an amazing way to end this podcast. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you, Roy. Uh, very enlightening and wonderful discussion. And again, so many kudos to you for taking on America as your client. Well, thank you. We need help and marketing people. Let's mobilize. All right. Excellent. I'm sure we'll be talking again soon, Roy. Thank you and have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too.